Hello, and welcome to episode 184 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Matt Campbell, creator of Mythica, now on Kickstarter. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Matt, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, could we start off with a, a brief bio about yourself, and then after that, give us the, the elevator pitch for this awesome new book that's on Kickstarter. All right, I can definitely do that. Uh, my name is Matt Campbell. I am the creator of Mythica, but I'm also a publisher um, and CEO of Action Line Studios, uh, which is located here in Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado. I have been doing art professionally uh, since about 2010, uh, but I've been doing art all my life. Um, my original background is from storyboarding and concept art for films, but uh, I've had a couple of stories, uh, you know, in my mind for a while. And the most pressing one was Mythica because it's based on uh, a hero in a kilt, uh, which I just hadn't seen that often. Uh, so I started down that path uh, several years ago. We're now at issue seven. Um, so that's, Although, uh, also, a little bit more about me, I, I, I was saying earlier, I do teach uh, comic art and concept art uh, at the college here locally. Um, I do love teaching. I love sharing. And in, in that same vein, that's, I, I pass that information on to my patrons on Patreon, uh, trying to help other people create. I'm a big advocate of people who are making their own thing. Um, because I came from a background at the conventions where people tended to do a lot of prints. Even I did that at first, where you're just making pop culture prints, whatever the famous, you know, popular character was at the time. And it's a great way to get started, but I just don't believe that it's uh, where you should be basing your entire business model. Um, so that being said, uh, we're now on issue seven of Mythica. And uh, the, the, uh, the premise of Mythica is basically that Mythica is a dark fantasy comic where a kilted Scottish soldier and a sultry super spy uh, band together with some other characters to fight monsters and demons and vampires in the middle of World War I uh, with war raging on around them. Um, and at... at during the process, they discover that they have abilities um, and they end up in a situation where the governments of these different uh, warring factions realize there's people out there with abilities and they start hunting them down. So they end up on the run from the people they're trying to help. But uh, it, it has a very thick Celtic lore, uh, you know, the Tuatha de Danon and, and fairies and, and stuff like that so it's a really fun uh, comic but it is dark uh sometimes and violent like you might find in game of thrones or something like that um and this new issue takes us to, to scotland uh the, the hometown of one of the main characters magnus mcdracken uh so that's exciting all right i feel like i'm rambling now 
No, no, that that was very good. That was, uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of, you know, that your your background was very interesting, and I'm sure we'll we'll delve into that in some of the the interview. Um, but the 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 concept that that you gave there with that elevator pitch is really cool. So, w- what is your role on this book with the background? Are you the the writer and the artist? That's a great question. So we're now in issue seven. Um, I conceived the characters first. I came up with their designs when I was still in college. And I kind of um, saw an overall plot that I wanted to do, but I knew at the time that I really wasn't the type of writer that could break things down into these great scenes and transitions. I just didn't have that writing experience. So I reached out uh, and, and eventually hooked up with the first writer, uh, William Tooker, and he helped me write like the first three issues. And to say that was a daunting task for him was an understatement because he had to basically get into my head and, and discover who these characters were while he was trying to, to help me write this. Um, whereas I'm more of a director, I see through the, the lens of a, a film director's eye. So I'll, I'll see a scene uh, and, and I'll have all these scenes in my head, but there really wasn't a coherent, you know, string to tie them together yet. And that's what William brought. Um, then around issue three, he got caught up with some other stuff. So we transitioned to another writer named Meg Brubaker. And she helped me write uh, the next few issues. Um, but by issue six, wrapping up issue six, uh, which was the first book, um, and then I started doing some of my own. And then issue seven is the first book that's completely written by me as well. But I do all of the interior art right now for the all seven issues. Um, And so it's been a lot. I do the coloring, uh, all that stuff, um, because that's what my background was. But now what I'm looking to do in the future is pick up the pace. Uh, So I'm looking for, you know, colorists um, to kind of match the style that we've already, you know, set a little bit where I'll just focus more on the line art. Um, and then I had been hiring colorists for, or, and, and guest artists for the covers for, for quite a while now, but uh, yeah, that's pretty much my role. Interesting. So you, you had, uh, it seems like you had the idea of a of a, a hero in a kilt. You had some basic sort of uh, maybe character designs and some some uh, you know maybe some attributes to those characters. Some basic ideas of where you wanted the story. And is that what you turned over? Uh, and I'm, it, was it William the the first writer? Yeah, yeah. So when we sat down at the beginning, uh, you know, just to give you an example, like. Um, I had pretty clear ideas about one of the main characters, Magnus McDracken. He's our, our kilted Scottish hero. Um, but we knew we wanted to have sort of a team feel of, of several characters. And um, he helped me introduce one of the characters. Uh, her name is, is Kimberly. And she's sort of this younger, naive girl who loses everything at the beginning of the of the first book the first book is six issues long and introduces most of these characters and um she loses so much and so then from then on she kind of looks to all of these other characters as her new family and 
without knowing it, uh, the, the, the story actually is more about her journey and kind of a coming of age type of thing where she goes from naive, young, little farm girl to, to being side by side with this, you know, Celtic warrior and this spy uh, character and a couple of others. And she's learning from all of them. Um, and so that's, that's something that he helped introduce. Uh, and now it's kind of like a big part of the story. Um, and I probably wouldn't have come up with that all on my own. So I have to definitely give him credit for that. Very cool. And uh, why, why the setting of, of World War One? You know, a lot of, uh, you know, modern fiction is sort of is set in World War Two. Why did you make the decision for, for World War One? I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, that was another thing that William and I worked out together. Um, one of the early premises that I wanted to have for this story was that I wanted to have our main characters on the run from all these different governments. And originally, the idea was just set in modern times. Um, it was going to be something more akin to uh, like the Iron Druid, where it's taking place in modern times. But it became pretty evident that with all the technology and satellites and stuff like that, it was going to be a, a big challenge uh, to have these characters, you know, stay hidden. So we decided, well, let's, let's push it back in time. And we actually did look at uh, World War II and immediately said, yeah, everybody's doing that. <laughs> Uh, so we we explored a little farther, and when we looked back at World War One, and I started researching it, I fell in love because this is a time period where there are now steel ships with with you know can you know big uh, howitzer guns on this ocean, yet there are still sailing ships with old cannons on the ocean, and there are tanks, but there are still horse-drawn wagons. So there's just this, this mesh uh, of, of society changing. And it has a, uh, a kind of a, almost a steampunk feel, but not on purpose. It's just that happens to be what's going on at the time. And uh, so I really love that because that allowed the characters to be able to go out on the ocean on a ship and not be caught for, for a long time uh, or hide easily. But it also just gave us a really beautiful uh, yet dark aesthetic because whenever you're in the, the war part of it, it obviously gets very dark and gritty. So yeah, that's how we ended up there. That's very cool. And um, my next question kind of goes along with that, but what, why does it, why is it important to you that sort of like the main character has that Scottish heritage, Scottish heritage? Um, you know, <laughs> is, is that something that's close to you? Or are you obviously your last name is Campbell. So I, I mean, is, is that, is that, is that your heritage as well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I've grown up very proud of my Scottish heritage. Um, I'm, you know, born in America. So is my dad, but it was always something that, that, we did together. We would go to the Highland festivals together. Um, and so I was always raised, you know, very proud of it. And, uh, 
from a young age, I was really a, an artist and interested in comics. And uh, when I started really, you know, getting into a lot of them, that was something I just recognized is not being represented very much uh, in comics was the the Celtic lore or characters with a, with a kilt or, or anything like that. Um, so when I first started on this, there wasn't much of that. Um, now we're seeing more and more of it. We've got Outlander uh, and stuff like that. But at the time when I started, there just really wasn't. The only thing that really had ever been done uh, was Highlander. Um, so, and even that has very few kilts. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I really wanted to bring that to the forefront a bit more. And that's what I know, you know, they always say, go with what you know. Yeah, so that's cool. So, uh, and I guess that, that sort of leads me into sort of like the next question. We sort of have this, like, you know, you, you, you sort of approached the book from like a character design standpoint. So when you were doing concept art, was that mostly what you, what you would do as character design or, or were you sort of like a background artist as well? Well, at first it was, it was very much characters. I was trying to really nail down the look of the characters because uh, even though I'm not a writer, I definitely feel now that I am writing that I'm a very character driven writer too. Um, but that being said, if you, if you, if you look at, the background work in my book, you'll see that there's a lot of uh, detail put into the backgrounds. I do a lot, a fair amount of concept work uh, for the backgrounds because I want to grab that, you know, feeling of where, where we're located at and, and uh, the rich, especially now that it's taking place in Scotland. That's very so cool. So um, you had mentioned earlier that the, the, the first six issues were sort of, uh, you know, book one in, them, in themselves and that this is the first time that we ventured, uh, you know, to, to Scotland. Can you give us a little bit of background without giving too much away of the, the backstory of those, those first six issues, what was going on there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the first six issues, uh, we call that, uh, it's called Darkness Rising. Uh, and it is available on our website uh, at actionlinestudios.com. But basically, uh, it starts, it, it, it has, introduces us to this Belgian girl, uh, introduces us to the time period, and she starts um, having these dreams about this, this Scottish character. Uh, and, you know, she lives in Belgium, so it seems out of the ordinary that she would dream about something she's never seen um and in this dream like he's fighting monsters and demons and so it's all very peculiar to her but then uh some bad things start happening in her town people start dying um and next thing you know the entire town is getting like uh you know sieged by by monsters and she's basically on the run as people are dying left and right and all of a sudden, this, this Scottish character who she's been dreaming about shows up. Um, and uh, so we start putting these pieces together of like, they're connected somehow. And it, the, the first book is, is, brings together a lot of different people from different areas. There's also um, an Irish spy who is uh, one of the very first spies of MI6. Um, 
she's she's doing you know work for for the British government, but she's also doing double agent work for the Irish and the IRA. So she's a uh, type of character where you're not really sure if we can trust her, and she's very beautiful and sultry. Um, and now she's you know involved and and comes looking for for this young girl, and so. Um, they're working together, but they're not, tr not completely trusting each other because they don't really know what's going on. Um, and at, at, at the beginning, it's just about surviving. Um, they'll get attacked by demons and uh, they, they survive, you know, not only by, by working together, but also by these, these, you know, unknown abilities that are manifesting. So they're, they're trying to figure out, well, what's that all about? Why do I suddenly have the ability to uh, phase through a wall or, or become, you know, impenetrable? Uh, what's going on with that? Um, so it introduces a lot of questions uh, that we begin to start answering in the next book. Very cool. So would you say that like the, the first six books is almost like, uh, like, a, like a, uh, an arc of getting the, getting the team together and now we have the, the team together and, and the action's going to just roll from there? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to, to write the book, uh, the next book, so that um, you don't necessarily have to go back and read those first six issues to know what's going on. I mean, they do, the characters do hint at things occasionally from, from the previous issues, but um, yeah, you're absolutely right. That first book brings them together, sets the stage. Now, now in this new chapter that we're beginning, they are together uh, and they're trying to, to figure out some of those answers and uh, they're trying to transition from being on the defensive uh, from these demons that are attacking them to figuring out enough of what's going on to, to turn the tide and start going on the offensive. Um, and along the way, we're going to learn about how they're connected to their uh, ancestry and their, their Celtic ancestry. And, and that's how, you know, some of these things are manifesting. Um, so I'm excited. The whole reason I wanted to make this book though, is like I said, I wanted to have a Celtic base to it. And then I also just wanted a playground to create monsters. And there are a lot of, of cool monsters um, in the Celtic uh, lore, fae and, and uh, the fairy folk and, and stuff like that. But we uh, don't intend to completely lock ourselves in to just that either. We might end up running across some, uh, you know, lore from, uh, you know, other countries, Indian and, and Asian and stuff like that. It's very inspired by... Um, it's like supernatural sometimes mm -hmm. where they kind of have like, you know, uh, different monsters they fight, but then there's always like a, a larger story going on as well. Very cool. Yeah. That, that would be, you know, an awesome sort of model for, for comic book story telling as well, because you sort of can do the, uh, you know, where it's like the monster of the week, that's sort of like the, the monster of the, of the issue or, right. or in, but then sort of they all sort of tie together to this overall sort of place that the, that the team needs to get to. Um, 
if if you if if we can, I'd like to take a, a step back and talk a little bit about process uh, with you. You had sure. mentioned that you you know you've got to start in in storyboards, and uh, it seems like storyboards and uh, comic book pages are, are are very close in sort of the, the the method of storytelling. I know there's things that you can do in comic books that you don't necessarily do in, in storyboards, but how much of that storyboard work has sort of, inf you know, informed how you uh, make a comic book page? Um, I think that's a great question. I think that when I first started uh, my pages, if you look at the first book, uh, issue one, uh, especially, uh, you can see that my, my layouts and my, my panel layouts tended to be more, cinematic in fact um who was it uh mile high comics a representative from mile high comics qu uh, quoted as saying that it was the most cinematic comic book story in the last 10 years that they'd seen <laughs> wow um but i uh i actually had got the opportunity to sit down with with greg capullo and we took a look and he's like you know this is great but you're not utilizing the comic book medium to its full extent. Um, so we sat down and, and worked on that. And so over the course of, you know, time, I've, I've started to incorporate, you know, more of that. Uh, what you can do with comics is stretching panels and breaking panels and breaking outside of panels. Whereas I didn't do that as much when I first started. So that would say uh, is the big difference is that um, I'm used to looking through the camera. I'm used to the terminology of, you know, close ups and wide shots and low angles and high angles, all the stuff that comes with cinema. But I wasn't quite used to like breaking the frame, breaking out of the frame, uh, you know, carrying over multiple frames, things like that, all the different things you can do in comics. So that's been an adventure as well to, to try and use more and more of that. Interesting. And uh, so another process question would be um, early on in this process, uh, you know, you had the, the, the idea for the story the, the character ideas, but, but other people were writing it. Now that you're going um, and you're writing it and you're drawing it, um, are you able to maybe, when, when you're scripting, are you able to sort of maybe be a little bit uh, uh, looser with the scripting scripts, knowing that you're gonna sort of maybe work it out in, in the layout stage, as opposed to you know a writer handing over a Word document to you, and then you're taking that and you're sort of doing the layouts. Uh, does that give you a little bit more freedom between scripting and, and, and laying out the pages? <laughs> yeah, um, I try to, to not, you know, take too much advantage of that because I do know that at some point I need to hand this script off to a letterer uh, and make sure that it makes sense to them. So my process is generally that I'll, um, I'll start to just, um, lay down the beats, you know, like this happens, this happens, this happens. And I don't concern myself with how many panels or how many pages it's taking up. I just start making a list of all the different scenes that I feel like are going to happen. Um, then I go back 
and I start to write them together and, and start to transition one scene to the next or move them around uh, in different orders or whatever. Um, and then I'll start to do the layouts and I'll generally lay out an entire book uh, with thumbnails with the script over on one screen and my layouts on the other. Um, and occasionally I am going over to the script and saying, okay, uh, I like the way this layout's going and it's making me feel like he should say this instead of what I wrote the first time uh, because the way his face looks, you know, seems like more like he'd be saying this, you know? Um, so yeah, there is some of that where I'm kind of adjusting my script on the fly as I'm doing the layout. Um, but once I get past the layout stage where I kind of have the rough draft done, I don't really mess with the script much after that. Um, I kind of try to stick to it. And I'll also go through the script and, and kind of re, uh, reformat it, make sure it's in like the proper format that you normally expect. Um, one, just for practice, and two, make sure that the letterer, you know, is getting something that, that they're used to. Um, but my ultimate goal, though, is that I want to, one of my biggest uh, influences, I think, would be Todd McFarlane and Spawn in that he created this universe that he barely uh, works on anymore. Um, he's, you know, involved with the creating or the, the writing, uh, but I don't know if he actually like scripts it or not, but he's got all these other artists like Greg Capullo ran on it for like years and years um, while he was off doing other things. Um, and that's, that's something that I want to, to do more of in the future. I want to like have a writer come in and uh, much like in Supernatural, they would have like an episode where they were just kind of, it would be like an off episode where they would just go fight a random monster that had nothing to do with the bigger picture. Um, and I think that this story of this, this comic allows other writers to do the same thing uh, to come in and, and like write a little one or two issue story that we can then get illustrated either by myself or by other artists and get some, some new energy and new life continuing to, to cycle through it. Um, but I'll always be like overseeing it because it obviously it's uh, something I'm passionate about and close to me. So Hopefully that answers the question. <laughs> oh no, you, you you answered it. You answered it very well. Uh, so, um, th is this the first book that you've taken to to Kickstarter? No. Uh, so this would be my fourth Kickstarter. Um, the first one was for an art book, and it was more of a a test of Kickstarter. Um, then I ran a Kickstarter for like issues one through three um just to you know kind of get it out there i'd already made them but i was just like hey this is a way to expand my audience and then our last kickstarter was for the first six issues collected into one trade and we had it available in softback and hardback and uh it blew up we did like um you know three times goal 
uh, and had, you know, to create some uh, stretch goals on the fly because it, it, we didn't expect it to, to do. So well, we, we made goal in like five days. Um, and so now we're coming back and starting a new book uh, with issue seven. Uh, we expect that this book would be uh, four or, or four or five issues uh, and, and it'll be a self-contained story. And then uh, we'll move on to, to the next book. But that's kind of how I work is I'm always thinking about a graphic novel length story um, because those are what sell better anyway. But uh, it's just nice to have a complete story. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, this, this is going to be Kickstarter number four. That's pretty awesome. And, and so you started to go back to sort of your grander vision of the uh, of what you want from the series with, you know, guest writers and artists coming in and, and doing and working their own thing within this world. And you just sort of being the showrunner. Mm -hmm. um, are, are you, are you incorporating any of that? Like at this stage, like, you know, with, with, with the Kickstarter, are you having artists come in and do covers and, or, or, you know, pinup art or anything like that? Yeah. I'm glad you asked that question. So for the last several issues, even an issue uh, like, all the way back to issue three, uh, we had guest guest cover artists. So they would have like, you know, a limited uh, alternate cover or something like that. Um, but this issue, not only uh, did we invite some more people to have some pinups in the back, but um, I have a short story that is a six, uh, a six page story that I wrote that sort of uh, takes place like 10 years ago when our main character Magnus was just a soldier in his army and there's no powers involved. There's no demons involved. It's just kind of like going back to the days of like Sergeant Rock uh, only with uh, World War One or before World War One. It's like the Boer Wars. Um, and so I wrote a, a, you know, a six page like teaser as a, a way for this new upcoming artist, uh, his name is Caleb Addy. He's got a very uh, splashy, like uh, splattery, you know, style, almost uh, like Jason Sean Alexander. And uh, he's trying to break in. So I was like, okay, here's what we'll do. Draw this story. Um, I'm going to pay you for it regardless, but if we can reach our goal of backers, uh, like 150 backers, then we're going to include that six issue or six page story into the back of the book. And it'll be his debut uh, as an artist, but also introducing, you know, that whole platform of starting to have new stories and new artists. And so, um, uh, the other thing I'm doing is handing that story off to another writer um, and uh, allowing him to run with, you know, the rest of that story. I only wrote like the first few pages as a, a starter, you know, I was like, okay, here's the situation. Here's where they're at. Uh, here's what their, their dilemma is, uh, you know, run with it. Um, and so if it all works out, uh, we'll have a new uh, sort of new title, probably. Uh, we'll probably call it like Black Watch or something, because that was the name of uh, 
the Scottish regiment back then. Um, but I haven't checked to see if that name's taken or not. So we, I don't know, but uh, that'll be an introduction of like another line of stuff based in this universe written by and illustrated by some other people. That's got to be cool to sort of start realizing that part of your vision, you know, to, to just sort of make it, make it real. That, that has to feel great. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like, sometimes you, you're aware of it. You're just like, when you like right now, when you're bringing it to my attention, you, you realize, yeah, it is pretty damn cool. Um, other times you're just so caught up in all the stuff that needs to get done <laughs> that, yeah. that you forget just how cool it is that you're building a universe based on some, some ideas you had, you know, years ago, but. Yeah. It seems like you're, it seems like you, you might be laying the, the, the groundwork to get yourself to be the, uh, the Todd McFarlane of, of this, uh, of this universe. <laughs> I would love that to be honest. Cause uh, you know, I, I want to draw as long as I possibly can. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm in my mid forties now, I'm still going strong, but I know that with each passing year, I have less energy to stay up all night drawing like I used to. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really trying to set the stage so that when I get to that point where, uh, I can't really put in full eight hour day drawings or whatever, that I can start to just oversee some other people and keep, keep the thing going. Uh, for as long as I can. So this will not be your your, your first Kickstarter. You, you you did the art book. You did the 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 collections in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when we have folks on that are running a Kickstarter, we'll, we'll often ask them about sort of the 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 how they maintain their sanity during during a Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> you 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 have that experience. But uh, what is it going to be like uh, for you? Um, we're recording right now a little bit before you hit that launch button, but very soon you're going to be hitting that launch button. Uh, right. So how are you going to handle refreshing the page to see where, where you're at with your funding goal? Uh, or do you not uh, obsess about that kind of thing? Oh, uh, well, I'm sure I will obsess about it a lot. Uh, that's just my nature. Um, and the problem that I have is that you know, there are so many ways out there to, to market. Uh, you can market, you know, via email, you can, you can send out stuff on uh, social media. Uh, you can be on shows like this. And when I'm in the mode of promoting a Kickstarter, I can't shut it off. Like I, there's never a point where I'm like, I've, I've promoted enough today. I can, I, I can just let it go and relax. Um, I'm always, my brain's always saying, okay, well, what, what Facebook group have I not posted on today? Can I, is there one, you know, that I can go put some, something on, uh, who else can I send my stuff out to? And it, it can get daunting because I need to be spending that time, like working on the next book or something like that. Um, especially since I want the next book to come out, you know, later this summer. Um, so yeah, that's the part that drives me crazy is, uh, learning how to separate my roles and wear the different hats and then know when to take those hats off and put on my artist hat. Yeah. So that's a, that is a question that we ask folks, uh, from time to time. It's a sort of the, 
the the promotional piece and and the creative uh, piece. Uh, do you dedicate a certain amount of of, of time? Uh, like on a uh, do you schedule out your day that like uh, you know you're gonna try to you know hit certain social media at a certain time and then you're gonna step back and, and you know maybe go to the drawing table for a little while or is it just sort of are you just sort of doing it as as you feel you need to? Well, I'll I'll be honest with you. I try to set a well. I try to say okay. Um, I, I I'm working on two books. I'm, I'm illustrating two books right now. One's my own. One's a new title that we're going to be, that I had, I didn't write, but uh, we're going to be launching through my, my publishing company, Action Line Studios. Um, but so I know I have to dedicate a certain amount of time to working on those pages every day. So I'll block out time on my calendar. Okay. From, you know, 8 a.m. to noon is just working on artwork for, for Mythica. And then at noon, I'll take a break for, you know, a couple hours and, and do some, some social media stuff. But it doesn't always go that way. <laughs> um, I generally have, well, especially if I'm at the computer, I have multiple screens. I generally have one of them open to uh, at Facebook at all times. So if someone, you know, pops up and, and says something that catches my attention of like, you know, Oh, this is going on over here. Um, you know, I'll, it'll distract me, but generally that happens more during a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I know I'm just trying to do everything I can. And I'm honestly, that's one, one downfall that I, I have right now is that I don't have team members that, I know I can just say here, um, run this campaign. I'm going to get back to work. Um, and so most of the people that are on board with my team, they know other things. They know, uh, you know, I got one guy who's really good at at Facebook ads. Uh, I have a letterer who's a brilliant letterer. Um, you know, I I'm working with a colorist. Um, but those people are not, you know, marketing promotional specialist Mm -hmm. so uh, i still feel like i'm i'm wearing that hat and my my goal is you know as soon as i can try to find somebody that can can work with us and take some of that load off for sure interesting so you you had mentioned that you're working on on another book for 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 your 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 studio Mm -hmm. um uh, so that's going to lead me into the, the the state of trying to make comics in 2020, where we don't have the ability to to go to conventions and sort of hand sell the books there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So what what have your experience has been um, in 2020 trying to 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 be an indie creator and 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 run a run a publishing company? Well, at first it was a big, it was a big hit. I mean, I definitely had multiple conventions and, and appearances at comic book shops scheduled throughout every year. Uh, I probably hit, you know, more than a dozen places easily uh, throughout the course of a year. And that was a good chunk of, of uh, not only sales, but just connecting with fans and, building up, you know, excitement, uh, and, and all that stuff. And so when we kind of went to lockdown, 
Um, and, and like Denver Comic-Con got canceled three times. Um, and they've already canceled for the 2021. Um, so it, it became evident like, okay, we got to rethink our business model here. We can't rely on that uh, anymore. So um, the, the focus became, okay, let's, let's really build up our store and our website so that people can purchase easily uh, and, and we'll spend some advertising money constantly promoting that. But then in the meantime, um, let's really work on using Kickstarter uh, as, a, as a regular uh, model because I started watching another mentor of mine, uh, Brian Polito, and, and the success that he was having at Kickstarter. I was like, okay, if I can get to the point that we're launching two or three books a year on Kickstarter, um, and then just continuing to flip that, uh, taking the money from the one and investing it into the next one, buying or hiring, uh, you know, colorists and artists and, and keeping it going that I, you know, I think we can continue to survive that way. And then in the meantime, find ways to expand, uh, sales, uh, in other places, get it in the market, um, the one thing that Action Line is not to the point of yet is actual, um, you know, uh, I just spaced out on the correct term, but basically getting it into comic book shops, uh, distribution, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't tried to run through uh, anything like Diamond or um, tried to sell in Previews Magazine. And the main reason I haven't, to be honest, is that when I was traveling around and going to conventions, um, I would go all over the country. And I went to places like New Orleans four times in a row, like four years in a row. And there were fans there that, that loved the book. But I would go to the local comic book shop and I would say, hey, this is going crazy at the convention. Will you carry my book? And they're like, hey we don't do that well as a comic book shop. We can't buy every indie comic that comes out on the market. The best we can do is support our local artists. So unless people are walking into the shop asking for Mythica, uh, we're probably not going to buy it out of previews magazine, even if it's in previews magazine, because we just can't afford to have something on our shelves. That's not absolutely going to sell. So, I heard that a couple times from a couple different comic shops and I was like, okay, right now, I don't think going through previews or going through diamond is viable, maybe later, but not right now. So right now it's all about just connecting directly with the fans, selling directly to the fans. And there's a lot of still mailing and shipping that I do myself. Interesting. Uh, you know, we we had a conversation with another creator uh, not too too long ago, and his experience with taking his book to to uh, to a LCS was was very similar to what you just uh, you just described. And uh, you know, it's sort of it's sort of a difficult position for the for the 
for the shop to be in, um, you know, it, it's easy to, to sell a book that has Spider-Man or Batman on the cover. Uh, but, you know, depending on the size of the shop or the, the, the size of the, you know, the crowd that's coming in there, it might be difficult to do. But we, we've heard that a lot as well as the, the trying to go into to a shop and, and, and hand sell your book to them. It's, it's, it's really difficult right now. Yeah, I mean, my goal as a small publisher, a small indie publisher, is that uh, if I can blanket every comic shop in Colorado, which will probably cover, you know, gladly carry my book because we're a Colorado creator. Once I cover every comic shop in Colorado, um, which, you know, we're probably maybe covered by maybe a a third right now. Um, There's still a lot that we haven't reached yet. A lot of that's due to the pandemic, but um, after that, then, you know, I'll start expanding out into like other places within the region that would still possibly carry it. Like I've been to Albuquerque and New Mexico and Arizona for shows so many times that there's a good chance those places would probably carry it and just sort of build it up. And then eventually at some point when I feel like there's, you know, enough of a solid backing, I, I might consider trying to go into previews and trying to get it sold into stores directly. But I feel like you got to build that base up pretty big first. And that's just my opinion, though. No, a, a lot of what you're saying makes makes a lot of sense. And, um, you know, the, the experiences that I've had or the experiences of other creators that, that, that we've talked to are, are pretty much in line with that. Um, and I think what's great is, is that we, we do have the platform like Kickstarter to sort of uh, get, the, have the ability to, to attract people to, to, a, to a story, to a book, and then deliver that directly to them. There was one month where, uh, I think maybe it was maybe November, where if you would have calculated all of the sales from, from comics and Kickstarter, uh, it was like the third publisher behind uh, Marvel and DC, which was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, when you consider what's being, what's being produced through Kickstarter, um, I mean, there's no arguing that indie comics are exploding right now. Um, but going back to the whole idea of selling into local comic shops, do you guys remember a, a publishing company called Red Five? Yes, I, they I, 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 atomic. They did atomic robo. Mm-hmm. So back when I was doing conventions early on in like 2010, 11, 12, 13, um, everywhere I went, I would see the uh, the CEO. Uh, I think he was the CEO of Red Five at these conventions, and he was just like the advocate of, of these books. And he would have all the books out there and he was basically building the, the fan base and the audience. And he did that. I don't know how many years he did that, but he traveled all over the country going to as many shows as he could for a long time before ever finally putting the, the products in previews and getting it distributed. But by that point, people all over the country had heard of red five, especially atomic robo. Mm -hmm. So when they put it in the books, uh, people like, Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. I'll buy that. 
Um, and I think that's what it takes, you know, like, yeah, the, the local t t uh, population or my online fan base knows what Mythica is, but does a comic shop in Ohio know what my book is? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where, that's where it comes down to, because that's going to who's be buying it. So I think that, uh, you know, there's still a lot more to do for, for growth in, in, for action line, for sure. Very cool. Uh, so, you know, it seems like you're going to be in the, uh, the, the world of Mythica for a while. And I know that there's another title that you're working on for action line. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, are there any other like stories or, or genres that you would like to, uh, tell stories in? Well, you know, I've always wanted to play in some sort of sci-fi world. Um, I, I don't know if I would, uh, if I would want to write it or if I just want to like draw somebody else's, but, uh, some, some world where, uh, you can kind of just make up, uh, the lore and make up, you know, the history. I mean, that's one of the things I love about Star Wars. You can just keep adding alien races. Uh, you can keep creating new ships and new weapons because it's a fantasy. Mm -hmm. um, so any type of atmosphere like that um, where, you, you know, the creators get to just really have fun making, you know, new things is the stuff that I enjoy the most. Awesome. Yeah, it seems like... Uh... It, we, we're also finding uh, that folks that, uh, you know, like to tell action adventure stories that might sort of uh, delve into sort of horror and, 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 you know, battling monsters, it's it's not much of a stretch for them to, to, to want to do a sci-fi book as well. It seems like it's a, it's a, it's a uh, easy way to sort of almost tell the same stories and, and they're very close, but it's, uh, you know, there's different things they could do, but it seems like everybody who likes to dip their toes in sort of action adventure horror also would like to dip their toes into to some sci-fi space stories. Right, right. And you know, that's another area, uh, again, that I don't think I've ever seen any kind of Celtic brought into. Like when you think of sci-fi, there's so much uh, Asian influence all the time like even Firefly which is, I'm a huge fan of um, they would speak Mandarin when they cursed you never saw any, any like you know Celtic or Gaelic or, or any sort of you know any of that kind of background and so I would probably be looking for ways to introduce that as well <laughs> like a futuristic version of it um, because I, again it's something I haven't seen well I would be interested to see the 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 Celt uh, spacesuit uh, how that how that how that works <laughs> might have to be plaid plaid pants or something I don't know that yeah that would cover it awesome well Matt I'm uh, I'm really excited for this book you you provided us a preview of it and and uh, you know it was it was really exciting I I, I enjoyed everything I the the art the storytelling the pacing um, Noah do you have any any final thoughts or, or questions as we we finish up here. No, I just think it's really cool what you're doing. Uh, and it's really, uh, it's just so cool to see that, you know, you're, you're trying to diversify comics, um, not because of some, you know, and not, you know, mainly because of some, you know, just deep love of, of uh, heritage and a deep love of storytelling. And that that's really inspiring. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, um, 
I, I, I feel like, you know, I've always been a big believer in like, you know, storytelling, visual storytelling, but also in just going with, with what you know. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, I, I don't feel like I would do well to, to tell stories uh, that I'm not familiar with the background. Of. <laughs> so, but um, I got a question for you guys. Uh, both, I don't, I don't know if both of you got a chance to, to look at that preview, but uh, you know, if you were to give a few words in a spoiler free way about what, what, uh, what your takeaway was from from that issue seven preview I sent you? Uh, what might we we quote you guys as saying? Oh, um, wow. I wasn't able to actually get around to opening up the the the, the, the preview, so I'll let Matt Matt go. All right, all right, cool. So, do you know the uh, do you know the 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 image series uh, Five Ghost? Five ghosts. I don't. Oh, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's there's there's a character who can sort of uh, inhabit the body of different ghosts. One's like a Sherlock Holmes character. Uh, one's a samurai, uh, and so it, it, and it's it's sort of set almost in the same time period as that. So I would say that this is almost like I I I get a I get a vibe from that, but I also uh, maybe like. Uh, it feels I, I know it's set in World War One, uh, but I feel like uh, there's a there's a lot of like Indiana Jones to it as well, sort of like going to castles and you know right. there's you know you know there's there seems like there's secret rooms compartments and you just sort of finding your way you, you're going to get into these tricky moments there's a you know there's there's a there's a scene with the car at the beginning and it's sort of very you know indiana jones way to sort of you know be on the brink of disaster and and get out of the 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 you know the situation with this you know really crazy maneuver so like i i got a lot of indiana jones from it as well nice which, nice yeah. that's a that's a great that's a great compliment yeah awesome no i i i really enjoyed it so um as we close up um can you let folks know where they can find you online and do the uh do the the pitch for for mythica on kickstarter one last time yeah absolutely so um you guys can find the uh, mythica back issues at actionlinestudios.com uh or you can also find us on facebook at actionline studios um the kickstarter if you just search uh mythica issue seven you should be able to find it pretty easily on kickstarter their links are rather lengthy so i don't know how i would share that but um again mythica is a dark fantasy comic where a scottish soldier and a sultry super spy and a bunch of other cool characters come together to fight monsters and demons as world war one is raging on around them and in this issue we travel to the ancestral home of magnus mcdracken up in scotland uh and so we're going to get to see a lot more kilts in the coming uh, issues. Now do be warned that this is a mature rated book. Uh, something you might find some similarly to say game of Thrones, there's going to be nudity and language. So be ready for that. 
Yes, that that is that is very true, and that was made apparent in the, in the preview that you you provided <laughs> us as well. So uh, thanks thanks for bringing that up. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to put links to to your website, the the Facebook page, uh, the Kickstarter page, and the show notes to this uh, podcast to make it as easy as possible for folks to to follow you, find awesome. the Kickstarter and and stuff like that. So Matt, uh, thanks uh, for being on. Um, you know, in the future, if more you know, the, uh, the other issue comes out, more issues of, of this come out, you want to sort of get back together to talk to the state of Mythica, we, w- we would love to have you back on. Well, thank you so much, Matt and uh, Noah. I've really enjoyed uh, being on your show. And yeah, if you guys ever want to just have a conversation about, uh, you know, making comics or storytelling, uh, anything like that, uh, I'm always happy to, to chat about that stuff. Uh, I'm very passionate about it. So uh, again, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Awesome. We'll probably take you up on that offer. So uh, for everybody listening, if you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast, we're on Twitter at ConstructComPod. Instagram is ConstructingComicsPod. Facebook is Constructing Comics. Uh, But uh, we'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, Please be safe, be nice to each other, and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.